Recorded in the comfy confines of the Auto Media Group Studios, we bring you the Get Deep Podcast, part of the Connect Podcast Network. Join friends and business owners Aaron Jones and Wes Otto as they bring forth stories of guests who are movers and shakers in their industries and beyond. <clears throat> well, thank you for that delicious cocktail. This is uh, super good. What are you drinking over there, Wesley, or should we have her explain? Well, I can give you the spirit because everyone already knows it already if they've been listening to this podcast at all, which is the Ranch Road Bourbon from Chancaska. But so good. Leah, give us the rest of the details. What is this amazing concoction? So it's super simple to make. So it's just a really lovely bourbon like you have. And then it's the spiced cherry and orange <laughs> concentrate. So this has um, two kinds of cherries, a dark red cherry, a tart... Uh, Bright red cherry, ginger root, fresh orange, and then a bunch of spices. So cinnamon, nutmeg, star anise, clove, all packed into the half ounce that I popped in your glass with your bourbon. So it's just bourbon and a half ounce of that. And then we've got a couple of garnishes in there, too, that just add to The garnish. Yeah. Is that a cinnamon stick? Is Is that what that is? Mm Mm-hmm. Those are edible. You can eat that. Yeah. Just so you know. That's right. Give it a whirl, Wesley. It's not... Yeah, I have had someone. Crunch, crunch, eat their, I've had someone eat their cinnamon <laughs> Well, I was hoping I, I was hoping I'd hear a crunch or two from his end at some point if he, I said that, but he knows me too well. But he can kind of shit, try so. to chew on that dehydrated orange. <laughs> yeah, no, thank you. I watched a friend of mine that never had a, a nice cocktail in their life do that. Like, That's not the orange you think it is. No, you know, cut the, the roof of the his weird mouth. thing about dehydrated fruit being like a hot garnish it looks really beautiful Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um but it doesn't lend a ton to the cocktail actually which i normally don't garnish that way but it looks so nice and everyone sees it and immediately thinks that's so classy right it's because it's dehydrated it takes all the flavor there's shriveled fruit in my drink (laughs) i love it this must be how they do it. This is the only time that I like things shriveled. <laughs> that's what people say. Yes, yeah. fruit in my glass. That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I feel like we're we're back to back in this. Now, I wasn't here for the last episode, but we had a brewery on the show, and now we've got you doing the tonic deal. You're um, going to get hooked I on mean, these kind of episodes. Yeah, it's, they're just <laughs> drinking episodes. It's a good thing that we now have Marie's Mix, the uh, salty snack. That's my mom's actual snack line. She's, she's started. It's oh, kind of a fun that's little. Sweet. Look at her face. It's, but she, it looks uh, exactly like her. If you want something <laughs> in the store to make people want to drink more, <laughs> this mm-hmm. is like that perfect kind of salty bar type mix. Can I open this it's right away? Yummy. You can. Yeah. Give it a whirl. A Give it a crinkly. whirl. The people will love the ASMR <laughs> of getting <laughs> into it. But. And then you can really give a crunch. I'm not eating the cinnamon sticks. Oh, so. yeah. Should I not crunch oh, in you the can, microphone? You can crunch. crunch away. We can do whatever we want here. This, this is Get Deep Marie. Podcast. Oh, yeah. And that's her face. Yep. Everything about it is together. cute. Yep. And give it a whirl. Give it a whirl. All right. Super salty. I like it. I love salt. I actually didn't think it was overly mm. salty. Sometimes you get those mixes that are so much salt that you get to the end of a little bag and yeah, you're like it's oh not my overwhelming, goodness but it's, no, it's, it's got some good flavors you in wake there. up in the middle of the night and you're like <gasps> yeah you need a Thirsty. huge glass of water the yeah. white i can never it's say very it. good i can it's never very good i can never say it right that worcestershire 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 thank you wes <laughs> i don't know if i'm saying it right but that's how it's pronounced you can taste life. it in there and mm-hmm. just in just little hints but it's super good so yeah 
Cool. Anyway. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, thanks, Marie, thank for you. making it. Thank you for all the uh, wonderful drink mixes tonight. Happy, happy yeah. to do it. It's the thing I do best. So Well, and we should probably kick off from there. People have put it together that you've got a drink mix company, but Sweet Haven Tonics. Yes. And uh, Leah, we've got you on the show. This has been a while that we've been working on this. It took us a while to get <laughs> together, but here we are. This is the fourth attempt, and you know what they always say? The fourth time is the charm. So, you know, <laughs> or we're changing it to the fourth time is the charm. So but it should be. Super, super awesome to have you here. Thank and you. I have to admit, uh, I've only been over to, uh, well, Sweet Haven Tonics, you know, is, is the uh, drink mix company has been around for uh, a while, a couple of years now, right? Go, actually, almost three. We're going on three years going from when I years. popped some ingredients in a pot on my stove. I love it. Mm-hmm. But recently was over at their cocktail lounge, which we'll get into in a second, and just a beautiful, beautiful space. So I just have to say right off the bat, like the inspiration behind that and making that into a cocktail lounge and beautiful New Ulm is just gorgeous. So Thank you. Um, Thank you. Yeah. So. I'm really proud of it. Good, good. Well, you might be one of my favorite clients to work with. We do a little bit of business with you, but yeah. it's just so refreshing to have someone else that likes to pour a cocktail when you're working together, <laughs> we came over for our first meeting and Leo's like, what do you guys want to drink? We're like, what? He's like, it's yeah. 9.15. I was like, my question still stands. Yes, yes. yes. I mean, no. we could do a Bloody Mary if that would make you feel better, but anything is on the table. No, the hospitality over there is fantastic, whether Thank it's a business you. meeting or just going for fun. So I, uh, I stand by the motto of having unreasonable hospitality. I love it. Unreasonable hospitality. Mm-hmm. I like that. That's really good. How do you say your last name? Um, it's heard both. It's tree 11 tree mm-hmm. 11 mm-hmm. tree 11 tree 11. So I wasn't quite sure. So I was like, I better get that right. But Leah tree 11. Um, and so let's talk about, let's kind of jump back a little bit. I know you've listened to some of our podcasts, but let's talk about your, your history. Where are you from? And, uh, and all that fun stuff. Okay. So I grew up in Wisconsin. My parents are teachers and it was when I was in high school that I moved to lovely Minnesota as a sophomore, and that's actually where the name Sweet Haven comes from. My brothers and I were in high school, and my family told us, and we were not happy that we were moving to this town called New Ulm. <laughs> and we're New, like, New Ulm. And we're like, ugh, why? New Ulm? And the, my mom said, How about we just call wherever we live Sweet Haven? And Cute. so our home has always been Sweet Haven wherever we were, because we moved a little bit growing up too. And so Sweet Haven is where home is. That's, I love that. That's beautiful. So where where did you live in Wisconsin? I grew up, I was born in Nina. Nina, okay. Um, so if you ever see those manhole covers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shout reminds me of my hometown. And then I uh, grew up in Fond du Lac. Okay. And then moved to Newell. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. In high school, you were a sophomore. Mm-hmm. It had to be an interesting thing to move your sophomore year of high school. Was that a, tr- a tough transition? Um, it was. I have a twin brother. And so we made our way through together. Um, But it was, yeah, it was tough. But I'm kind of the type of person, just fake it till you make it. I joined all the things, tried to make all the friends and was busy and working and dating. And so there's plenty of things to distract me from where I was. Yeah. Yeah. But I, you know, I ended up, I was never someone who lived in New Ulm and thought, I can't wait to get out of here. I always really enjoyed it once I was there. And then after having kids, it was just such a great place to live and raise kids. And they get to have that childhood that everyone talks about where they get to just go off during the day. And I say, come home when it gets dark. And sure. 
felt safe, Mm -hmm. felt good. Yep. And I have a lot of family in town too. So it's fantastic. That's cool. Mm -hmm. We talked about moving around a lot, Uh, military family or. Uh, My, my dad is a called worker for the Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Synod. Okay. So that's our church. And so the private schools that he worked for, you get kind of called from one school to another. So it was Nina. And then uh, if they need someone to work in a certain position, the term is that they call you to work in a position. And then if that's a good fit or where you think you could serve well, then you'll move. So he's taught every grade from uh, kindergarten through college. So he's uh, he's done some of some of everything, and now he's still at Martin Luther College, and he's the director of public relations. So he does great at whatever he's at. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Yeah, yeah, I've got a lot of Lutherans up in my office. I, I like to joke with them because I'm Catholic, and we're cool Lutherans, though. Like you are. Yeah. No, that's what they say to me too, and I'm like, yeah, but you're radical. All right, you're, you're trying. <laughs> The uh, Mount Olive School up there is buying up houses around the church, <laughs> around the school, trying to like make sure that they've got some turf and that sure, the, the sure. hospital doesn't, you know, step on them. And I'm always giving them a hard time. I'm like, you're just buying up homes, converting <laughs> people, moving them in. <laughs> just gonna buy the block. Taking yes. <laughs> That's funny. So your your dad was in that. What about your mom? Uh, she was a teacher as well. Okay. Um, and then as we moved, she taught a couple of places, but then. Um, she was fortunate enough to be able to stay home and raise us kids. So I have, uh, two older brothers and a twin brother. And so she had four kids under the age of four at one point. Oh boy. She is a saint. She and is a saint. And still looks back at the time when we were really little and says, those were the best years of my life. And that's how I know she's a saint. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good measure of that. Yeah. Four so. under four. My, uh, in-laws, my wife's parents, um, three under four and I know they talk about that being just crazy and always just chaotic but also some of the best times of their life too so I think once you know and and I have young kids right now but once they get older I think I think there must be something special about looking back on the simpler even though chaotic but simpler times yeah little kids little problems big kids big big problems when you just play and you you know they may throw tantrums on the kitchen floor but it's different than trying to get through high school yeah they cried because they broke their banana (laughs) the biggest problem of the day (laughs) that's a good point (laughs) well the leah that i've come to know today seems pretty creative were you a creative kid growing up Uh, i like to draw i was in plays musicals i was on the dance team so if you can imagine it i was shaking a pom-pom once upon a time hell yeah and i was good at it (laughs) damn it if we would have known that West, we should have brought some pom poms and made her do a cheer. No, that's <laughs> that's over. And there's no there's no cheering. Although in grade school, I did. I went to a really little grade school, so I did everything in grade school. I did everything. It was I had eight kids in my class, and so there was everybody just did everything. So I was uh, in volleyball and basketball and dance and cheerleading and choir and handbells and what if there was an activity. You just did it, even to the point when I was in, I'm not super athletic, despite how I appear, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I was uh, the, I remember playing softball and I was the backup catcher, it was my position, so it was slow pitch softball, and my coach told me, who is also your teacher, they all do everything too, and they said, okay, so you're going to basically, if the, when the ball rolls to you, 
You just lob it over to the pitcher. That's your whole job. If there's a play at the plate, we're going to have you back up a little bit. We're going to have the pitcher come and cover that. They didn't even trust you with the throws home. No. Oh, definitely not. Definitely not. And that was smart. Yeah, because you'd close your eyes as the ball was coming in. Yep. I, yeah. any Can't game, do that. Leah. Any game with a ball, I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're in the right profession. I am. I mean, now knowing that, I just, that's great. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a, those are formative experiences sure. doing things that didn't feel natural right. necessarily. Yeah. So one of the questions on my list, and I think you kind of, you know, I think it makes sense now, but you were a teacher, you know, you got into teaching, but when did you realize your mom was, your mom was a teacher, your dad was a teacher. When yep. did you realize that, uh, that bug was there or that you had interest in it? Or did you feel kind of pressured to, you know, kind of like keep the tradition alive as, as far as that goes? Uh, no pressure whatsoever, but I've always been, despite the fact that I opened a business during COVID, I have typically always been someone who takes the path of least resistance. And so I knew what that looked like. I knew what the day-to-day would look like. I knew what the profession looked like. And so there weren't really any, I didn't think there were going to be many surprises. So I went to the same college my parents went to in New Ulm. um, And that was really comforting to be able to see the idea of from start to finish, this is what it's going to be, which is the exact opposite of what owning a business is like. (laughs) You have no idea Mm -hmm. what's coming despite how much you plan. Um, yeah, so I wanted to do it cause I knew what it looked like and I was really proud of what my parents did for kids and how impactful they were for, um, those students whose lives they touched. And so I knew it was, um, it was an important job to do. And so it felt, felt good. I was, I was really happy doing it too when I was teaching and I love pedagogy and learning how kids learn and what makes a difference. And before I started the company or before really COVID hit, I was at like my prime of teaching. I did personalized learning. And so my students would come into a unit and I'd give them the whole unit up front. So every student got to work through their work for a certain set of standards at the pace that they wanted with whoever they wanted. So they could work alone they could work in a group, or if students had some struggles, you know, based on their grades, then I elected that they worked with me. So I could work with these little groups of like seven kids, even though my class had 30 kids in it. So I remember sitting at this table with my seven students who were all engaged and watching my other groups, um, you know, work together and the students who finished the unit in two weeks and were doing these extension activities. And I just lit, sat back in my chair and was like, this is what I did it. (laughs) And my classroom was one where uh, my students will come into the cocktail lounge and be like, this kind of reminds me of your classroom. (laughs) Because it was... Mainly the cocktails. Yes, yeah. Everybody got a cocktail when they walked in. (laughs) Uh, But it was the plants and the low lighting and the comfortable seating and, you know, that I didn't have any desks in my classroom. I got rid of them all all and thrifted in cool furniture and things like that. So I loved teaching. And then COVID swept in and really changed everything. So it was when I was sitting behind a computer trying to connect with my seventh graders' foreheads in their Zoom screen that I uh, 
started uh, in on the hobby of making cocktails. Because <laughs> you needed them Not at that point. with the intention of starting a business, but just to make it through. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, I think it's, it's curious. And one of my favorite experiences from high school is uh, one of my teachers would paint her room every year a different color based on what she thought the senior classes kind of color should be. Wow. She would create a custom album of all really cool music, and she always had speakers and a couch and just a vibe. Did you have someone in your life that kind of, you know, obviously your parents were teachers, but did they inspire that I'm going to create a vibe even in my own classroom from a learning experience standpoint? Not from a learning experience standpoint, but my mom and her sisters have always, you walk in to their house and you feel like instantly cozy and instantly welcomed and there's candles lit and, you know, there's a drink in your hand and they just have this way of making you feel like you've been thought of in all the little ways that aren't expected. Unreasonable hospitality again. Yeah. From and that's kind of what I grew up in. Having um, you know, a mom who made even like Valentine's Day feel like really special. <laughs> and so I would have been really fortunate to have that. And so to be able to give that to other people who maybe don't have that feels feels really good. Yeah. Do you have any um specific stories that you remember from teaching that are just fun ones that stand out as cool experiences you had, whether it's with a student, fellow teacher, or just something that happened in the school day? I'm putting you on the spot, but Yeah, there's so many. I would say, you know, more in general. Um I really connected with so I was an English teacher, but going back to my path of least resistance, I went to college to be a FIED teacher. Again, super sporty. <laughs> and it was mostly because I thought, that sounds super easy. So I'll do that. And then um, at the end, you had to take a test to either get your uh, middle school licensure in science, history, or English. Those are the tests you could take. So I was like, history, no. Science, not a chance. I can read. I'll take the English one. <laughs> and I did well, and I passed it. And so that's how I ended up teaching English but really loved the dialogue and convert. It was just a, like a very conversational atmosphere in my classroom. Um, so my favorite students, though, were like my really resistant readers, which were normally my seventh grade boys. And I was like, I don't like to read either. <laughs> and they're like, what? <laughs> Secret. <laughs> and I was like, I read one book in high school. And somehow it happened to be the book on the AP English exam. God loves me so much. <laughs> so I uh, I really struggled. To, like I'm a really kind of antsy person, so I really struggled to, like sit down and read a book unless I'm just like drawn in to it completely. Um, so I just really enjoy those moments connecting with students who felt like, you know, this 30 year old lady who loves to read is never going to understand how I feel about reading. And so we did a lot of audiobooks and beanbag chairs, and really, they all come in knowing how to read, but the skills at that point are analyzing what you're reading. And so to be able to give them the option to do an audiobook and follow along with it so they knew where to reference things in the right. future, but it's all about being able to understand what you're reading and what the message is behind it. And so I always liked that that surprise in them and they'd try to like rebel and do something or be really naughty. 
and I, I just don't get frazzled too easily. And so we'd go in the hallway and they'd think I was just going to like lay into them. And I was like, this book sucks, doesn't it? And they're like, it really does. And I was like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> We're going to get through it together. So I liked connecting with kids who were hard to connect with. I love that. And I also was curious how it was received with others in the school system around you. Like, did you feel like you had the freedom? You, you clearly did it, you know, getting rid of desks and <clears throat> even those conversations with kids and being extremely honest with them and creating the environment. But did you feel um, like there was kind of some side eyes on you? Like, gosh, she's really going outside the norm here. Or did you feel like you were in a system that was pretty respect, you know, respectful about the decisions you make? Because school, yeah. I don't have any teachers in my family, and it's been a long time since I've been in school myself. So just curious your your thoughts on that. Yeah, I uh, at Newell Middle School where I taught uh, the the school is set up in um, houses. So there's a math teacher, a history, a science, and an English teacher. And it was uh, two guys, a younger guy and a more veteran teacher. And then a woman science teacher and myself. And we all just had the combination of our personalities. Everyone had someone that they, they could kind of go to. So if there was ever one where they're like, I, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. They're like, Leah, you got it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so not once, not twice, but three times over my teaching career, I had had students unprompted and unrequested come and sing uh, original songs for me acapella without any prompting because it was just I don't know I created a safe space where there is nothing you can do that is going to surprise me and so I think my team really appreciated that part because they knew you know I'm teaching the standards and we're getting our work done and but they appreciated that I could take kind of that role within the team that's a really cool you know, way to frame the the comfort of the students. Aaron here doesn't need a safe space to start singing. He loves to sing on the podcast all the time. He's not going to do it tonight. Uh, <laughs> he was Let getting ready. Let me make you another drink. <laughs> yes, yes. It might, it might come out, although my uh, I've lost my voice. If those of you who listen regularly haven't noticed, I was at the Vikings game the other day uh, with against the Bears. Shitty game. Uh, so there was a lot of screaming. A lot of being pissed off. So I lost my voice. And thankfully, the podcast was tonight with Leah because if it would have been last night, it would have been pretty terrible. Um, now but it's yes, it's low and raspy. Now it's just low and raspy. You know, I'll see if I can harness my inner uh, Tracy Chapman or something. I don't know. That's the first name that came to my mind. But <laughs> is he raspy? <laughs> well, it's a girl. But <laughs> oh, Tracy, yeah. Um, uh, fast car. Yeah, there's a lot of good songs. I had her album back in the day. But. Anyway, um, what was, oh, I had a question for you. So as far as the, back to the, the, the classroom environment, right? It just appeals to me a lot with, I feel like if I was in middle school and I had the type of classroom that you had, that I'd feel a lot more involved, a lot more like, hey, you get me, and which would open up me to actually want to do more to, more of the things you're requesting, yeah, and versus I versus if everybody's you know if it's a really hard system. Mm -hmm. My question and all that explaining that is is more like with as open as you can be since you're out of the system now, right? Doing your thing, and we'll get into that. Is how do you feel about the education system today? Because there seems to be a really oh big kind of just there seems to be 
a lot of mass exoduses out of public and into <clears throat> private and people are disenfranchised with the system. There's lack of resources. You know all this. Sure. You're smart. Um, but if you can be honest about your opinions and how maybe that system could be fixed or maybe a step forward, what do you think? What are your opinions? Um, you know, it is a really hard system to work within from top to bottom for everyone. You know, it's easy for students to look at teachers and say, if they did this differently, it would be better. And for teachers to look at principals and say, if they did this, that would be better. And if principals look at superintendents, if they did this, it would be better. There's always kind of someone else who's in control that you're pointing at, but it really is an overall um, philosophy of what education should be. And I think my biggest frustration was the most important work that I was doing was showing kids that I really care about them because that's so important. And that was the biggest loss during COVID was me touching base. And, you know, I always joked, I was like, seventh graders are shitheads, but they're my, but they're my shitheads. (laughs) And for one hour a day, I'm going to show them that I genuinely like something about them. And so I think that, you know, there's a million things we could talk about, but I think the biggest part is having um, some priorities around the whole child. And, um, you know, we are so focused on how to measure things. And so as much as I had an amazing principal, Michelle Miller, you're the best. I don't know where to look at to say that to you, but she was an amazing principal. That one probably there. You're the best. (laughs) I don't know if you're ever going to watch this, but if you do, um, she was an amazing woman to work for and gave us a lot of freedom and really encouraged that. But at the end of the day, when you sit down in meetings, it's what are your test scores? Because that's what she's held accountable for within Mm -hmm. her school. Um, So it really is, I don't know what the answer is. I just, you know, went into school every day and loved kids as much as I could um, and felt like, you know, that can't hurt. And, you know, we'll get through the things that we can get through. Um, But I think as long as the focus is so rooted in these standardized tests where so many kids just don't show their learning that way, um, kids are so unique and there's so many ways that they can show that they understand things. And that is the one way that we're um, showing are proving that they've learned something. I always felt pretty defeated by that because I was doing so many things within my classroom, creating personalized learning and giving, really teaching kids how to think takes so much time. And so it really, you feel like a little bit on an island. I had other teachers who really kind of felt the same with me, but it's going to take years and years of that mindset across an entire, you know, K-12 in order to create a change. So it was always, you know, I always just hope when they left my room, they knew how to think and they knew that they were loved. And, you know, if they could write a decent paragraph, that was a bonus. <laughs> so I don't know if that answers your question, but I think that the focus, the focus in how we evaluate um, really drives um, where focus is for teachers, where we feel like we need to spend time and think if that would shift a lot of things could be better yeah i think that's a solid way to approach it and you know all this talk of schools and tests and kids are really making me want to drink clearly it made i almost finished your (laughs) sentence for you actually (laughs) (laughs) 
So, you know, let's get to the actual meat of the subject here. You ended up just experimenting at home in your own stove. I like to think of them as like garage entrepreneurs, right? People mm-hmm. that have started in their own homes. Usually a lot of times it's the garage story. In your yeah. case, it's the kitchen. But, you know, tell us how that came about. Like what was the impetus of, hey, I've made some that I like myself. Now all of a sudden, maybe this is something for other people. Was there friends that were involved? How did it come about? So um, it started um, during COVID. I was teaching online and drinking more <laughs> and more. And uh, Me too. my, you know, at the end of the day, I'm not a huge cook, actually. Um, I like putting flavors together and drinks, but I, I found it really satisfying at the end of the day to take some time and make something really delicious for myself to, you know, kind of treat myself at the end of the day. Um, and so I was making all these extracts and simple syrups and reductions and things like that and putting them together and making these craft cocktails for myself initially. And then my family gets together and we do happy hour every week. Um, and so I'd come and be like, look at the thing I tried this week. I learned how to put an egg white in a cocktail or I made this one. And so we'd have fun with me trying out new things. And then when we couldn't get together, they were like, Leah, we, we miss you, but we really (laughs) are missing those cocktails. Um, and so that it just turned, I didn't need them for myself because I enjoyed the process of it, but I wanted to make something that simplified craft cocktails for my family and my parents. So they could, My mom could make the great old fashioned that had ginger root and orange and cinnamon and, you know, all those components that on your own, nobody's going to do. And so I wanted to say, just take this and this, mix it together, and then you're done. So that's kind of how it started as a gift. Um, These actually were inspired by my friend. Amber gave me a gift on my birthday, October 2020, uh, and it was a shrub you are familiar with shrubs in the cocktail or not the plant, but it's a vinegar, highly vinegar-based concentrate. And then, like, back in the day, they would use it and take old fruits and herbs, and that was their way of preserving those great flavors. Um, so she gave me one for my birthday, and I love vinegar. And so I tried it in, a, you know, soda water. And I was like, this is the best thing I've ever had. I'm never going to drink anything without one of these in it. And so it kind of started from the concept of a shrub, of using vinegar to extract and naturally preserve these real flavors. Um, And so actually the gifts I gave my parents um, were more shrub-like than these. Um, And so when I gave them to them, I was like, you just need this and spirits and you're done. My dad's like, are you sure that's all you need? (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. And I was like, point taken. And like, <laughs> I've gone back and tried some of the originals, and I'm like, ooh, that is sharp. <laughs> so that was kind of a starting point. And then it was fun that we took our cocktail hour, and then it was me adjusting and tweaking. And so it was after I'd given them those gifts for Christmas that they said, you should try to sell these. Like, could you do a little? I did like a Facebook you know, little Facebook page. And it was fun because I could just, I like to write. And so I could be sassy and funny on my page and just no one was telling me what to do. I could just put out there whatever I wanted. And um, 
So I started selling them that way and I did a little pop-up shop at a flower shop in New Ulm and sold about $5,000 in two days. Wow. Which was... Five grand in two days? Yeah. This was before you had really launched, launched? Yeah. You Mm -hmm. had that much inventory on hand too. Yeah. That's impressive. Yeah. So I sold through every drop of everything I made in those two days and I thought... By golly, people really like me. Was that <laughs> was that Atazinia? Um, yeah, shop. Yep. So Heather okay. Hammer opened up her space to me and said she was a really um, helpful guiding, you know, guide to me as I kind of entered into this space um, to help me get started. And so she gave me the platform to do that. And after that, I thought I could. I think I could sell these. And then from there, I looked and I saw all these places where there's these really cheap, crappy, you know, the pumped strawberry or whatever that's going to go in something. And so I was at um, Sleepy Eye Brewing Company, and they have great beer, but they're simple syrups. They just had the pumps of flavor on the back counter. And so I said, your beer's really good, but your seltzers suck. And they said, we know. <laughs> <laughs> and I was, they're like, I was like, the, what, you know, have you thought about doing something else for flavoring? And like, oh, this is simple. And it's, you know, we focus on beer and we want the seltzers, you know, the seltzers are for people who don't want beer and, you know, screw them anyway. And so I said, I have, a, I have something for you to try. So at that time I was doing like a shrub with a simple syrup kicker to like put them together to make these flavors. So I had like a really limey, um, what did I even call them? An extract, I think, or something along those lines. Uh, so I had my kind of shrub type thing, but it wasn't a shrub. It was a little di- different in recipe. Uh, so I had that and then in a simple syrup so that people could sweeten it up to the level they, that they wanted. And so I brought in this lime and this ginger um, flavoring because that's what I was selling at these pop-ups. And um, I said, if you put them together, it's like a Moscow mule. It is so good. And the bartender looked at me and she said, I'd buy that. <laughs> and I was, that was like the night I couldn't sleep because I thought, I'm going to put these together and make a really unique cocktail combinations. I'm going to take my clove orange syrup and I'm going to put it together with my, you know, apple cinnamon extract and make a cool like fall screwdriver, you know. And so it was from there that then I started putting them together to simplify the process because I thought it would be fun if you had all these extracts and all these syrups and you could mix and match. People don't want that. They want it to be simple. Yep. And they want it to be one step, not two. And so it was from there that I evolved them into what really is Sweet Haven now, where I do all the combinations and, you know, take the guesswork out of it. And yeah, that was really exciting. And so all my concentrates for a long time were Cosmo tonic and I use the word tonic because I want it to be kind of a general term I like the idea of like a tonic salesman and it'll make you feel better (laughs) (laughs) and so (laughs) peddling my goods I like it and so it's not a tonic like quinine tonic but so all of them were different tonics which has been kind of an educational hurdle as I've gotten bigger um but so then I had a Moscow Mule Tonic, and I had a Cosmo Tonic, and I had a Screwdriver Tonic, and I had all these different cocktail-based ones. And I was really proud of those, and I put those out there, and a lot of people loved them. 
And then I started to sell to bars and restaurants. And they said, well, can you do anything else with the Moscow Mule Tonic? And I was like, oh, yeah, if you mix it with gin, it makes an amazing gimlet. You can mix it with tequila. And it makes a really good ginger margarita. You can mix it with whiskey. It makes an awesome whiskey sour. And I honestly can't remember who told me that, but they said, well, you shouldn't name it a Moscow Mule Tonic then. Because that's people are only going to think that that's what you can do with it. So then from there, I took the names and I changed them again to the flavor combinations so that it was more about a flavor and all the things that you could pair it with as opposed to just one cocktail you could make with it. So, you know, being open to feedback, whether it was my dad and was like, or if it was someone behind a bar was like, this is confusing. You know, I was early enough on and flexible enough to just make the changes. And I was the only one I had to answer to. So I was like, I'm going to change everything. I'm going to do this again until I, you know, landed on what felt like it was working. That's always the, the process, it seems like, of any product-based entrepreneur. It's like, okay, I'm going to make something. I think it's really great. Let's hear what people think. You know, feedback, and then, re, you know, you refine it, and you yeah. come back with something better. And you do that process over and over again until you get to something that you think, I don't think I can top this, at least not at a scale where it makes sense. Or that's what the feedback is as well. Yeah. Is that your feedback, there's not that kind of low-hanging fruit of what could be easily done to improve this. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you kind of feel like you found something you want to stick with for a while. Yeah. Or for us, distribution. for me, distribution got so broad. I was like, well, I can't change it now. It's in 100 restaurants. Can't be like, oh, I change everything. <laughs> That's not available anymore. I think it's so neat too, and I'm <clears throat> hopefully I'm not jumping back too much when I say this, but I just, um, you know, as shitty as, as 2020 was and COVID was and all that, another cool success story coming out of a time that was crappy. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it pushed you into pursuing something that was kind of a side passion at family events, right? And pushed right. you into actually pursuing something that you enjoyed. Yeah. Without COVID. I don't think it would have happened. Maybe it wouldn't have happened. I think right? I would still be rocking in the classroom and trying new things. And I think I'd be super happy there too. Right. Um, but this just came at a time where I just felt like, I think I'm going to regret it if I don't do something with this. Right. And then knowing the climate of teaching and the need for substitute teachers we needed substitute teachers every single day in school there was never enough I thought worst case scenario I'll just be a sub every day and then I'll get back into it if this falls flat on its face so right yeah but I did not need to sub a single day well it's always economic tumultuous you know whether it's downturns or swings in the economy that seems to generate a lot of new businesses and we learned that through the small business development center which is my opportunity to talk about them tonight so for folks that don't know the small business development center the sbdc is a fantastic organization that offers all kinds of business consulting to help you start or continue to run an existing business in the state of Minnesota, specifically South Central Minnesota, if you're listening to this podcast. Um, So the SBDC is fantastic and help you out with operational consulting, business planning, finances, HR, even has a legal clinic where you can go and find resources to, 
you know, decide on what your business structure should be. But if you're interested in getting some assistance in starting your first business or continuing to operate that business, go to myminnesotabusiness.com, go to the apply for services button and fill out the forms there and they'll pair you with a consultant. There's a big roster of consultants if you want to take a sneak peek and maybe find someone that has a skill set that matches your particular need. But you can request who you want to work with or what your particular problem is and they will pair you with someone that can absolutely help you from a consulting standpoint solve whatever that problem might be or find someone else that maybe can too i mean one of the great things about our network is we just know a ton of people we've helped a lot of businesses and so always happy to be a resource and help businesses plug along and whether it's a pandemic or not you know everyone's got an idea but wait wait wes what if what if i want to work with you well, I'm not available anymore. <laughs> are I'm you too busy? Are I'm you still on the roster, but I'm not available. Well, that's what I mean. But you are on the roster I'm of on SPDs. The roster. I'm sorry. That's that's taunting. We just, you know, we're trying to. Yeah, no, I should you provi- come off the roster you, in that sense. But you do provide some. Um, Occasionally, I'll get off the bench. It's just okay. tough, we, you know, with the agency, the restaurant, sure. the okay. magazine. So there's a lot back. of things for me to be able to still do a ton of consulting, but. Sure. I, I will occasionally, okay. especially for people that I know. Just trying to tee you up there, buddy. Well, thanks. Thanks for thank generating you. a lot more demand <laughs> for me. Well, thank you for that to the SBDC for your continued partnership and support. We appreciate that. So I was just saying, you know, another COVID 2020 success story, which is really cool. I just like look back on such a shitty time. All of us were trying to figure out what we were doing, how to keep businesses going. And you stepped out and said, you know what, this is, I think this is time for me to, to, to move forward with the passion that I have. And I think it's so cool that you did that. Um, the second thing that I was going to say, and I know this is uh, a slightly different level, but the other thing that I that I was reading about you too, Leah, is that you were wanting to do a little bit of like a side gig, if you will, or a side project to use the money for like family vacations, right? You had mentioned that it was kind of right. like, I want to make some money, extra mm-hmm. money to do family vacation. Well, instantly when I read that, I thought about Dan and Angie Bastion with Angie's Kettle Corn. I was like, they wanted to send, they wanted to have a way to pay for their kids to go to college. You know, I'm so more these, selfish than that. I was like, I just want to go up there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but bring your family too, I think, right? Was your family involved or just you? And on one of you know, <laughs> No, the plan is to go to the vacation. <laughs> but, you know, so they buy this equipment and start popping in their garage and their their whole goal before they blow up completely over years of trying hard is to, to send their kids to college. Mm-hmm. Yours is to take family vacations. You know, I mm-hmm. think about those things that sometimes are small and simplistic and maybe, you know, you're looking for a few thousand bucks to do something, but That's then you, mm-hmm. you realize, holy shit, I, I created a market or not necessarily a market, but a demand or maybe, you know, revised or made something exciting within the certain market. Um, it's got to be kind of cool to see it's cool for me to read that, but it's also got to be cool for you to be on the other side of it and just think like, holy shit, this is something I just used to fuck around in the kitchen and make things for my family. And now people actually appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the sad thing is I haven't been on that vacation yet. (laughs) (laughs) That's how it goes. I really want to go on vacation. Um, But I think the cool thing when I look at it is that I thought I was just solving my own problem. I was just making something for my family that I thought they needed. And to hear, like you said, creating something that other people want or need. And the number of people who come to me and say, thank you so much for making this. These, you know, we bring them to family events or a lot of people use this. Yes, they make great craft cocktails, but I would say about a quarter of my customers don't drink at all. 
So they just add this to sparkling water and they say the combinations are really satisfying and I feel included and I have something special that I get to drink too. Um, it feels like I, I didn't mean to solve more than just my problem, but I did. And to know that it made a difference for someone else, even in a small way during happy hour feels pretty good. Well, the mocktail market, right? Let's, let's, let's go down that path since you just mentioned it, but mocktails are huge. It mm -hmm. seems to be, you know, from what I was researching too, um, 30% industry growth. Yeah. You know, that's, that's huge. Yeah. A lot of people are deciding, you know what, I just kind of done with drinking for now, or maybe I'm done drinking forever and that's cool. Or maybe mm -hmm. they just want to have options during the week or during the months where they, they, they want to be a little dry, you yeah. know, and, and not do so much. So that's got to be pretty neat too. Now, a big part of your brand is finding clean ingredients and partnering right. up with people that have good quality, clean ingredients, right. which one of the partnerships you created was Under the Sun Herbs based in rural Medelia. Let's talk about them. Yeah. So Elise out there, she is super badass woman who runs this farm. And um, I have always been a sucker for like an herb garnish in a drink. And so I knew I wanted to bring herbal flavors into my concentrates. And there's a million places you can buy things from. But as I started to grow, and I was the recipient of people who were growing, and they brought me along as a way to help them grow like sleepy eye brewing. They brought me in and now they have these, you know, tonic seltzers is what they call them. So they're growing. And they let me be a part of that growth it was really exciting for me to be like, I'm the one who's growing now. And now I can, I can bring someone else along for that growth. So why wouldn't I do that? Why wouldn't I take that opportunity? So, and her products are beautiful and she has a great, beautiful space and wonderful spirit and is doing what she loves too. And if I can support that, that, you know, makes it twice as sweet. Yeah, we did a story in the Connect Business Magazine on them just a couple issue, issues ago. Mm. I think it was May, which is also funny because you have also been in the Connect Business Magazine. I think this one is May, June of 2022. What's that? Is that hot? It's the Hot Starts, which is a horrible oh. name that we're going to be changing. Uh, <laughs> now that I bought the magazine, I'm like, can you tell us what you're going to name it? <laughs> no, because I don't even know. Son of a bitch. <laughs> We're workshopping it. We literally have been messaging back and forth as a team, just like, come on, we can do better than Hot Starts. I mean, it did feel pretty good to be part of Hot Starts. Yeah. 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 Well, you feel sure better you to be part of the it? next thing. <laughs> <laughs> but this was a nice little summary of where you were at for 2022, which was what, maybe two years into the process or less? Yeah, so I uh, filed for my LLC January 2021. Okay, so yeah, a year and a half. So yeah, it was fairly early on and I was still teaching all the way through the end of the school year in 2021. So I was, um, for a lot of that time, I was, you know, like you said, something good coming out of COVID. I have never worked harder or been more energized or excited to wake up in the morning. I'd get up at 3 a.m. and I would, once I had to do commercial kitchen work um, with manufacturing and license so that I could sell to places like Sleepy Eye Brewing, which, you know, like, hey, I'd like to sell to you. And they're like, great, do you have a manufacturing license? I was like, I don't know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, let me tell you, you're going to need one. Okay, I'm going to look into that next. Um, but I'd wake up and go into my commercial kitchen, and then I would do that for four hours. I'd clean up. I'd teach all day. And then at night, I would Google, 
manufacturing license or whatever the next thing that I was learning about owning a business was. And it just made that time just fly by and it was fun and it was exciting and I was learning new things and it was, yeah, it was really fun. And it's hard for me now to slow down. And if I'm not working 80 hours in a week, I'm like, I'm such a loser. What am I even doing? <laughs> yeah, there's almost a guilt to it, isn't there? And this is the same thing with the vacation side of things. Mm-hmm. Like you want to take it, but if you ever did, by the way, you would like at the end of it, you could maybe enjoy it, but then at the end of it, you'd be like, why did I do that? I would have no problem enjoying it. I, yeah. And if I take time off, I just really unplug. That's what I try and do too. And so. I always enjoy the moment. It's just the getting back where I'm like, oh, right. I'm not doing it this again. absolutely <laughs> kicks your ass and you're yeah. like, oh. Was it takes a day it? or three to get back into the mode on or that first week. week or a week. Yeah. So, <laughs> so basically, you might as well just stay out. another week. You know? Right. Oh, hey, I'm, yeah. I'm going to take crazy. a two-week vacation. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's talk about something that's near and dear to us uh, where people quite often enjoy the moment and take a vacation, even if it's just for a few hours. And that's at Chankaska Creek Ranch Winery and Distillery in Kasota, Minnesota. We're so blessed to have them as a partner. Uh, of our podcast since the inception, almost Wesley. Holy shit balls! We're coming up on what? This will be the end of uh, two years now. Yeah. yeah, we're going into our third year, so we're pretty we're pretty excited about that. And uh, if you've never been out to Chankaska in Kasota, Minnesota, they're uh, about three quarters of the way from Mankato to St. Peter and Highway Twenty Two. Um, just a beautiful, beautiful space. And they have got obviously wonderful wines, but they also have a bunch of um, ranch road series drinks. And what, what does that mean? That's, you know, tonight with Leo, we're drinking the straight bourbon whiskey. We're mixing that into our sweet haven tonics and they're delectable, but they also have barrel gin, which has won some awards. They've got the ranch road brandy. They've got the ranch road rye. And then of course, uh, their North forest cream series, which my favorite, I'm looking at it right beyond that camera right now, the maple bourbon pecan, uh, which is super yummy. Um, so Chankaska is great. So check them out as far as physically at their location, but also to find their products in pretty much every liquor store or places around here, as well as sporting events and whatnot too. So Leah, do you have any thoughts on Chankaska? Have you talked to those folks out there ever? Yeah. Do you yeah. like their products? Yeah, I love them. I actually, <laughs> they were one of my uh, initial customers as well. Hey. I went out there because it's such a gorgeous, I did a pop-up shop out there. They had these awesome events like Toast to Women events mm-hmm. and another shopping event in the, I think, Sip and Shop or... Yep. Please forget. That is what Sip it is? Sip Shop, yeah. Yes. Um, but I did an event out there and had been out there and just, it's the most, like you said, it's like a vacation when you're there. You're like, I don't believe I'm so close to my house right now because it is just a beautiful, beautiful grounds, beautiful space, makes me feel super fancy when I'm there. And... Uh, but I went there, and then it was after going there that they tried my products, and they're like, we could use a simple solution for cocktails in our wine bar during the week because we want to offer cocktails with our great spirits all week. We don't necessarily have the mixologists available during daytime hours to do that, and so we got together and made some cocktails together too. It's a beautiful relationship. It really is. I yeah, they that. do great things. Yeah. So it's always exciting to work with other people who really value the high quality that I do. And so that was really fun. It was, it's a great partnership. I dig that very much. Do you happen to know, I know I'm putting in the spot here, what their number one skew is for like a mix that they sell for you? Usually it is across the board, um, the spice cherry and orange 
Okay. So because it makes such a simple old fashioned and their bourbons are amazing, it's a match made in heaven. I dig it. I would agree. (laughs) Amen. Well, thank you to Chan Cask again for your partnership. As Wes always says, and we're back. And we're back. And we're back. So we're hanging out here with Leah Tree Levin. I got it right. Nice. And uh, these cocktails are delicious. You poured another one uh, at break time here for me. Can you tell people what's in this particular one? I feel that like you it's almost gone. Um, uh, it's, you didn't fill it up much, I don't think. <laughs> I need to add more. I could add more on the fly. I, I sipped big. Um, so it is the Rancho Gin. Beautiful, straightforward gin. And then it has uh, the cranberry juniper and lemongrass, which is our winter-inspired seasonal in it. Super good. Good. I'm glad you like it. And then the garnishes too with the, the uh, what else? fancy, the cranberries. Yeah, it's good. I like it. Did you re- Did you get a different one too, Wesley? No, I got an old fashioned, just a little more, how did you say? Spirit uh, forward. Spirit forward. So Wes likes three ounces of bourbon and a quarter ounce of Sweet Haven, which means that this little baby is going to take him 32 cocktails deep. So deep was the optimal word there. <laughs> <laughs> I like get yeah. deep. Get deep. Mm-hmm. We, we were also saying, and I know we'll get into some some more stuff here, but I think some something that people need to know about your 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 tonics, you know, is the fact that these can last even opened up to two years. That's right. That's a ridiculous selling point. And you can go into the science why they last so long if you'd like to. But I think that's that's huge because whether it's your your bar customers or yeah. uh, partners that you sell to or whether it's people who buy them uh, from your shop or other places, like a lot of people, they want to load up on a bunch, but they're afraid like, gosh, they might go bad and then I just wasted all that money. But yours yeah. are lasting a long time. And honestly, it's a best buy date after two years. It's like best buy after two years, but they will never go bad. Like, because they have an apple cider vinegar base, it's rare to have an apple cider vinegar that goes bad because they, it, it's already a preservative. And so the, um, so when we make these, the apple cider vinegar is the base, and then we, uh, so we have our pH level with that, but we don't add any bases to it. So the pH stays the same from beginning to end. And so we have the same shelf stability as just like vinegar. So it is, uh, yeah, it's pretty, pretty nice to be able to say it's no preservatives and really a huge selling point with us in a lot of the restaurants and bars, like you had mentioned, is that, you know, that we sell to them by the gallon. Um, and so for them to know that they can open it and not use it, you know, especially a seasonal flavor, you don't use it for that year or the next year, which is not going to happen. But if that would happen, it'll still be good. And they'll really never go bad. I have have some from the very beginning that have still never gone bad. So, No, that's really neat. And you were talking about how that, you know, what that means to the commercial clients, which I think is cool. Jones and I were both talking before we even got on the podcast about the Vikings game. I think you mentioned that you went. I yeah. went as well on Monday. But before I went, I went to Manny's Steakhouse with a buddy of mine. And it turns out that you guys sell your product up there too. How oh, thank you. Yes. commercial you know, businesses do you sell to? You must have a bunch of accounts. And Manny's must be one that you're pretty proud of too. Yeah. So Manny's brought in our spring, new spring seasonal this year. And actually none of, well, let me back up. So they got our new spring seasonal. It's peach with rhubarb and green tea. And 
it's delicious, and they brought it in for one of their cocktails, and so they order eight gallons at a time because they it's on their menu, and they have a nice, lean cocktail menu. And so when we started, we had six core flavors, and then we would bring in – the idea was to have rotating seasonals. So every year it's a new winter one, new spring one, new – you know. But now that I'm working with a distributor – and have been for years, um, once it gets into a restaurant, you can't take it away. You can't give them the strawberry, berry, basil, chili, um, summer seasonal, and they're like, eh, no, it's gone. Like, no, it's not. We still need that. (laughs) (laughs) So we went from having six flavors to now we have 10 flavors. And so instead of adding new flavors every season, what we're going to do is just small batch exclusives where you can buy it online and in our tasting room. That's cool. And that way people can continue to try new flavors, um, but we don't need to, it would just, it would get out of hand. Every year we'd be adding four more. Yeah. And with distribution, you can't keep adding SKUs. Otherwise they get, they get irritated. They don't want, they are, when someone brings our, so Johnson Brothers Distribution brought us on, which was a huge win for us. And they're like, how many SKUs do you have? I was like, well, we have 10 flavors and we have seven or eight sampler sets. And they're like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you could feel that. They're, just so, they're like, it's a lot. It's a lot. You know, they love, yeah. they love, they want to, you know, you can always point out what are your top three, yeah. what are your big sellers? And those are the ones you can focus on. But it's an overwhelming amount of options that we have. Well, I feel like we've briefly touched on a lot of different things, whether it's distributors and commercial accounts or, you know, the actual product line and then the tasting room. Maybe it's good for listeners just to get a sense of the timeline. And I know if you're anything like me as an entrepreneur, you have your own narrative of, well, here's where we were at the beginning and here's where we are today. Give give folks a sense of like, what is the evolution of Sweet Haven from beginning to today? All right. I'm going to try to make this like a straight path, but it's going to be. Can you sing it? <laughs> Don't sing. <laughs> Quit with your singing. We're waiting for you to sing. I'm not singing. I'm just trying to see if she could nail the whole song. You know, like how cool would that be for a jingle on the it's radio? A long jingle. We'd get bored. <laughs> I wouldn't, but um, I do like to sing though. I am, I'm a big karaoke fan. I've got like two songs I really crush every time. All right, before you do the the rundown, what are the two songs that you crush on karaoke? Uh, so I do "Human" by the Killers. Sure, Killers is just right in my range. I'm more of an alto, so I do "Human" by the Killers, and then I'll do "Flowers" by Miley. Nice. Yeah, Miley. Miley, she's she's crushing it these days too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, story. Story. Straight line. Right. I'm really not doing well at the moment. We got you. So I kind of touched on how I started with the pop-up, and then I started getting, getting into recognizing wholesale opportunities. Um, it really started, I really started to believe in the big picture of this. When I was at, so I went to uh, Minnesota Valley Lutheran High School, and my high school was doing a fundraiser at the Country Club in New Ulm. And so I was serving cocktails. A, a liquor mart was donating the booze. And so I was doing free cocktails at this fundraiser. And uh, this guy walks up to me 
And he's like, you know, what is this? What are you doing? And so I kind of gave him the little rundown. And he goes, tell me, what do you want from this? Do you want, are you just like looking to have a nice little business? Is this a hobby? Or do you like want to grow this and sell it? And like that, I was like, I want to grow it and sell it. That's what I want. And he's like, I could help you with that. And I was like, okay. So he like wrote down his name on a napkin. Uh, his name's Paul Wessel. He's the CEO of New Brick, which is kind of like a helps businesses start up in New Ulm, similar services. Um, and that actually hadn't started. He was just, he has grown and sold a number of businesses. He's a brilliant businessman and was just saw an opportunity. He's like, I like you. I like your product. I like what it does. Tastes delicious. Let's do something with this. And he really, I feel like I've taken like this crash course in business and learning what it takes to take a small business and grow it. And so with that in mind and with, uh, so he built for me just a best in class board. I'll never need to go on Shark Tank because I have my own Shark Tank. And so I have a great CFO. He's the chairman. I've got some other really brilliant business minds behind me with lots of years of experience that I can go to as you go through the natural growing pains of growing at an accelerated rate. So keeping that in mind and having a lot of guidance in that way, I started to, you know, I had up to that point been doing a lot of like door-to-door hustling. So on the weekends, I just take my little tonic bag and I'd go from door to door and be like, do you want to try my tonics? And they're like, no. I was like, I'm pretty persuasive. So most of the time <laughs> they'd say yes. Um, and so I just go door to door and I got into like 100 accounts in southern Minnesota on my own. Uh, boutiques and restaurants and liquor stores. And um, then I picked up a distributor and a small distributor in Minneapolis and they did a nice job for me getting me into a few accounts up there, but learning how to work with a distributor is its own deal um, because distributors do just that. They distribute. They are not salespeople primarily. That's really on you to develop those relationships. Um, so I uh, was here I'm meandering. I'm doing it. Knew I would. So I was learning the ropes. Doing great. <laughs> Thank you, Aaron. Uh, so I was learning the uh, ropes of getting into retail and on-premise, and I was growing. And so like I had mentioned before, I was going, I was working in a commercial kitchen in the mornings, teaching, Googling how to work at, own a business. And here, let me just tell you how green I was in business. I told, you know, I come from teachers. And so I was Googling, I was like, what do you do to start a business? Open a bank account. So call up my bank one day, and I was like, I'm going to do this. And so, hi, my name's Leah, and I'm opening this business called Sweet Haven Tonics, and I'd like a bank account, please. Reminds me of that scene in Little Rascals <laughs> where they walk up to the lumber yard and like, we'd like as much lumber as we can get for this much. <laughs> and they put like two buttons and a nickel on there. And so she said, okay, that sounds good. Uh, what's your EIN? And I said, I don't know what those letters mean together. She's like, okay, uh, <laughs> <laughs> let me tell you. And she's like, well, do you have uh, an LLC, your letter from the Secretary of State? And I was like, 
uh, what's their name? How do I reach them? (laughs) Okay, (laughs) let me connect you with our Chamber of Commerce. They're going to guide you in everything that you need to know to get started. And I would say my greatest asset in the whole journey was really that I wasn't afraid to be really dumb. Like, I, I don't know what I don't know. And I know a lot of things about a lot of things, but not this. And so I was just really transparent and I didn't try to be anybody that I wasn't. And so because I had that mindset, I asked a ton of questions and was really open to advice and guidance, kind of like I said, as we were starting with the, you know, changing the name or the recipes or formulations. The same thing was true with kind of how I was going to navigate this world of business and learn what I needed to do and where to go. So um, the things started to grow and I was moving from one commercial kitchen to the next. I had stopped teaching. I had moved into doing this full time and I had moved into a warehouse space and I had a commercial kitchen space and I was um, basically running my business out of this event center using their warehouse space and their event center kitchen when they weren't using it. 40, 50, 60 hours a week, I was there all the time. And an uh, order of, I think, eight pallets of boxes came in Oof. and into their warehouse space, which kind of crossed the boundaries of where I was renting. And they said, we're ready for you to go. <laughs> <laughs> we were not expecting for you to be using this as your full-time business space, you have two weeks. You need to find a new kitchen and warehouse space. And I was like, I just had eight pallets of boxes delivered here. And so I had a big old cry in the Starbucks parking lot. And then I called the chairman of my board. And, you know, this is the beauty of having a board. When you get in a tough spot, you're not alone. Or when you're unsure of where to go, their primary job that they'll tell me is like, we want to keep you focused on what you do best. You're, you know, you're passionate about it. You love it. You sell it. You want other people to know about it. You make it and have all the ideas. We want to keep you focused on that. So he said, I'll take care of it. So he said, I know someone who owns the Herbergers building downtown New Ulm. Um, And she hates it when people sing your praises, but sorry, Ann. So Ann Vogel is an amazing philanthropist for New Ulm, and she owns the Herberger's building downtown. And er, there's three sections of it. She owns one of the buildings, and her family has owned it forever. And she is uh, in her 80s and doesn't have kids, and she just said, I don't have a use for the space. Why don't you just come in, and you can... You know, just get yourself set up. Use it for storage right now. I actually ended up using the commercial kitchen at my kids' school. I rented that out for a while, called in every favor that <laughs> that we had, or that my, you know, Paul, my chairman, just was like, here's where you're going to go. I figured it out for you. And um, so she said, why don't you come in? And you can just use the space and rent it. Uh, mind you, it's like 15,000 square feet. And she said, just come in and use the space. And, you know, let's just get you started at like a dollar a month. <clears throat> I, <clears throat> and I was uh, like, one, one dollar. I was like, that sounds fair. A month. That sounds fair. <laughs> I got to think about that. I'll call you back in a, in, in a few days. Mm-hmm. Could we go 50 cents? <laughs> and the only reason she wanted a dollar was so that we could sign a lease. So that sure. she'd be protected. Yeah. Because she's really smart. She's a really smart woman. 
And so we signed a lease for a dollar a month until we got things set up and did that for seven months. And then once I was downtown, I just had this draw. The thing I love about cocktails, like I mentioned with my family earlier, is that like it brings us together. It's that moment when you like drop your shoulders and you're just like, everything's going to be okay. I'm going to connect with the people that I care about or new people that I'm meeting. And, you know, it's all about connecting. And so being in downtown New Ulm, I wanted to create, I knew what my cocktails did for me, what I hope they did for others in creating a moment to connect. And I wanted to create a space where people could connect. I wanted to curate the whole experience into this beautiful moment. Like I talked about my mom and my aunts just creating a place where you walk in and you're like, oh, I feel so cared for. Everybody's thought of everything. This feels so good. And... So I wanted to create that. And so it was going to take a lot of renovation because it was a, you know, it was an old Herberger's building that had not been touched in three years. So it was going to take some money. We wanted to create in-house production so I could stop renting uh, the commercial kitchen space. My twin brother uh, works full time with me as part of the business. And he had been working there at 3 p.m. after school was out until midnight (laughs) to make batches in their 50-gallon steam kettle. So he was ready to be done with that, too. And so we wanted to have in-house production, in-house cocktail lounge or tasting room, which really wasn't a vision for, like, five-plus years down the road. Um, But we had the space. So I thought, you can't be in the space in downtown New Ulm for that long and not have a place for people to be. And actually part of zoning to be down there was to have retail. So I could have had a little counter or something, but that this is the time to do it. So Anne being 85, um, I said, Anne, we're thinking of doing renovations. And she's like, you want to know what happens after I die? Because she is like a dry as toast um, past physician, not afraid of death, just a very straightforward woman who you will get zero bullshit from. So I was, I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's have that conversation. Um, I do need to know that because if we put money, a lot of money in to make this to be what it is, and then you, it is it's inherited fair. by someone, which yeah. again, you know, that was a stuff that was, I knew I had to take because I had a board. And they're like, well, you can't start this until you do that. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm the girl who just learned what an EIN was. So thank you. And so, you know, you have to have that conversation. She's like, well, go to my attorney. Well, you know, you're, you got, you're on your feet. Let's bump up the rent to something that's reasonable, which is still an absolute gift at this point. And she, so we sat down and set the new rent price. And they said, okay, Anne, we need to know what your purchase price would be so that in the event of your passing, and she's like, when I die, just say when I die. And like, okay, when you die, <laughs> what's gonna, what is the purchase price for the first rate of refusal for them? And she just, uh, she said, hmm, well, I decided when I die, I'm going to give it to Leah for $1. Amazing. And, uh, I cry like half the time when I tell that story, but I'm really tired today, so I'm not crying right now, and I've had two of these great drinks. <laughs> but... Um, that shit doesn't happen, though. It doesn't happen, and in the moment, like, I started crying, and I, like, was just so blown away 
nothing I had ever expected. And I just looked at her. I was like, Anne, thank you. And she looks at me and she's like, well, you should thank me. It's really nice. (laughs) (laughs) I like Anne. (laughs) You will like Anne. If you ever get the pleasure of meeting Anne, you will love her. And I was like, thank, yeah, thank, thank you. And so like things just change from that point, you know? I don't want to, you know, pause, pause that portion for just a second. But what do you feel um, in your heart, in your soul that Anne likes or sees in you that she's willing to do that? Because people, I just don't think people do that for anybody, right? Yeah. And she had had someone offer to buy the building from her. So like for more than a dollar, more than, yeah, much more than a dollar. And so, but she knows how much I love New Alm and she knows how much I love the people there and want to create something special for not only the people who live in New Alm, but the people who visit New Alm. You know, I want to create a new New Alm. I want to be part of the next generation that brings a new life to our downtown space. And I think she sees that. She sees a genuine care in me and that I want to take care of people. And she knows that given the opportunity, I'll pay it forward. And so... You know, to do that already, we rent the main level in the basement, and there's a group of artists. Um, Jason Jasperson is kind of the lead on this project. He's a professor at Bethany, and he said, I want a space where uh, some really skilled artists can come together and do some artwork, to big projects together using all of their skill sets. And everyone will have studio space, and we'll collaborate. And he said, I've got space. I've got this huge basement I'm not using. And he said, I would love to use it. And I said, you know, you can use it. And I think we'll just, you know, how about we start at a dollar? (laughs) Let's do that. (laughs) It's probably one of the decisions my board was like, not your best business decision. (laughs) 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 But it's... Harnessing your inner Anne. Well, it felt like a responsibility, though, to a certain extent. It's important and it felt easy. And it's, you know, if I have been given the gift of that, you... We'll take care of other people who want to do something great with it. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think she sees that. And she sees that I love New Alm. I'm going to be there for a very long time. And I want to take care of it just like she does. So, yeah, she's fantastic. Even to this day. I mean, she could she buys samplers from me to give as gifts. I'm like, Anne, just let me give you these. And she's like, I will not. I will be buying those at full price. Well, that, that was my, my <laughs> other question, too, is it, she's been in the, the lounge, the new cocktail lounge mm-hmm. down on, is it, uh, let me, what is it, uh, 116 North Minnesota Street. Right. Um, has she been a regular? Does she no, also appreciate no, cocktail? She's, she's a past physician, super healthy. Okay. And she's too busy. Like, she's busy working on... Um, senior living solutions in our community. And she's like, 85? She's 85. Right now she's on her way to, I think, Philadelphia to go take care of her grandnieces and nephews that her 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 niece and nephew can focus on their careers for, you know, the month or do some, you know, they're in a busy season and she's just always looking for ways to take care of people. She is really quite the quite the person to look up to and learn from when it comes to just living a very giving lifestyle. So to be associated with someone like that is really special. And so I don't care if she's mad at me, but I tell (laughs) people how great she is. 
But later, I'll ask mm. you for other Nuwalm specific stories or, or individuals rather that maybe make sense for the podcast. But uh, you were kind of going through your timeline. So. Yeah. So then once we had that in place, you know, then we started looking at creating the cocktail lounge. Of course, you know, it's still like just post COVID. So there was tons of supply issues. I wanted to open between um, Thanksgiving and Christmas last year. Like right now is when I would have opened and we didn't open until April 1st. Everything just took longer. There's, you know, I, I ordered my 300 gallon steam kettle for production two years before I got it. Hmm. You know, I took a big leap two years ago and I was very new knowing that this was something once I had the space or knew that that was something I could utilize. Um, but everything just took forever and you just have to be patient with it. Cause everyone's just, you know, there's not really any one or thing to be mad at. You just kind of roll with the punches and try to be understanding because someone will need to be understanding with you someday. And so we just went at the pace that we went and then we opened on April 1st, the cocktail lounge. So in the meantime, with all of that going on, Sweet Haven really has a lot of people just know Sweet Haven for the cocktail lounge and for our concentrates that we sell directly on our website. Um, so we have kind of our distribution that gets us into the liquor stores and retail. And then we have um, our cocktail lounge, which is direct to consumer, which has been so incredibly supported by our community and surrounding areas. I just feel really fortunate that People like my drinks <laughs> and the couches I picked out. <laughs> so they're great couches. They're, they're nice couches. They're nice couches. So I, you know, that they like the environment and the experience. Because um, I really wanted to create a special over, you know, surrounding experience around it. And then I also wanted to, uh, we also have integrated sales. So integrated sales, at that same time, we're working with partners like Grey Duck, vodka um who tried our stuff and reached out and said we really want to elevate our brand to reach a new demographic not just your standard vodka drinker we want we want this to be a craft cocktail product and so then we met with them and worked together and created a new brand called muddled and so we had you know it's a lot going on which is why i haven't been on vacation yet <laughs> <laughs> and then you know we we kept we went through Started with a very small distributor, uh, moved up to a mid-sized distributor, and now we're with a national distributor. So we're really excited about um, moving into the space where we're reaching into those national accounts and more well-known accounts across the country. Uh, and then this week, actually, we are uh, launching on Amazon. So we're just uh, trying to take it one step at a time, uh, but not stopping we're going to keep taking the next step. So, yeah. It's, uh, I'm, I feel like I should leave and go do some work right now. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you do. I didn't want to interrupt. I think I'll just have this drink right now. Yeah, that's yeah. a good Take way a to do it. You've earned it. 
I didn't want to interrupt you when you were doing your story, but talking about the space uh, was really inspiring. I think one of the big things that I've enjoyed in my journey is just finding the right space. And we, we think we got a vibe up here, but... Oh, it's fantastic up here. Yeah, thank this you. This is really great. Thank you. Well, and I'll use that as my shameless segue into another sponsor. Uh, CBC Fisher Group, commercial, uh, Coldwell Banker Commercial Fisher Group in Mankato. Wonderful real estate, uh, commercial real estate firm for all of your commercial real estate needs, whether it's buying, selling, um, leasing, you know, management. They have all those different services under one roof. They've got a team of really great experienced agents, some of them young, some of them, you know, a little bit on the agent side that have wonderful, uh, you know, hunger for trying to make deals happen. They've got, um, a lot of really great listings. Actually, if you go to their website, you can find um, all of their different for lease or for sale listings on there. And I enjoy just browsing it. I'm a kind of a real estate junkie, so I, I like to too. go in there and I look around. I love to do that. You know, it, it sparks the creative juices just to go and look and say, oh, well, what could you do with this space? Yeah, if, this if is you're not given one for a dollar, you th- <laughs> then you know you should probably start looking. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm, <laughs> glad, I'm glad that you realize that most people don't get spaces for a dollar. So that's you know, under also. market value, I understand. Uh, that's is it slightly? I Googled that myself. I also didn't know what an EIN was. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm an SPDC consultant. I know what an EIN is. But uh, yeah, so if for all of your real estate needs, if you're interested, go check them out. CBCFisherGroup.com. Good job, Wesley. I think that's great. You always congratulate me. Like, like maybe, maybe well, it's, yeah. Wes does most of those plugs. I do chain casket quite often. <laughs> and I, it, these other ones that uh, require some attention, Wes kind of, they fall in his lap being that you're a consultant for, yeah. C, for uh, SBDC and such, but he just nails it. Well, He's just good you. at speaking the language. Thank you. Thank you. Um, no, I, I want to talk more about the, the partnership with Grey Duck, though. Um, give a little more specifics. I think they've really blown up as a brand now. You know, a lot of people know that Chad Greenway is one of the investors in that company, mm-hmm. one of the owners. Yeah the former uh, linebacker for the Minnesota Vikings. Great guy. Um, have you met Chad, by the way? I have not met Chad okay. yet. Gotcha. But I, I mean, it's cool to like hear him plugging Sweet Haven, which yeah. is, you know, awesome. Yeah. Well, so how did how did that happen? I, I know you just, you rolled over it really quick, but I just want to know how that happened because that's a, that's a huge partnership. Another yeah. company that's been blowing up in the last five years. They are doing amazing things and they're super creative and are always trying, you know, trying the next thing, which I really appreciate and respect. So one of my employees, Danielle, you're the best, Danielle. She is, <laughs> really is. <laughs> she deserves that and way more. But um, so Danielle, her neighbor is a sister-in-law to one of the owners at Grey Duck. Okay. And so Danielle, being the amazing employee she is, she's like, you know, she hypes it all the time, and she d- helps out with social media. And she, um, so she said, I talked to my neighbor, and I told her she should tell Mark at Grey Duck about your product, and she did, and he's gonna come and see you. I was doing a. a I was doing guest bartending at the Star Color hmm. that night, and he said, I'm going to come down, and I'm going to try some of your stuff. So he came down, and like that's how the introduction happened. It was like a person who knew a person who knew a person. And he came down, and he tried. He's like, this is really something. He said, we've been working with a flavor, kind of like a flavor company forever, and trying to find someone who could make us 
um, they were starting kind of like with a Bomba juice, like a flavored, like a pink Whitney similar product. And they said, we've worked at this, you know, these companies and they give us these different super expensive and every flavor that they give us is just off. It, you know, it tastes like strawberry flavor and over lemon. It was like a lemon. They wanted a strawberry lemonade flavor, basically. I'm like, I could do that. So I went in my kitchen with some strawberries and some lemons and I just made it. And I went and they tried it and like, this is amazing. It's he's so real. And I was like, it's because it's real. <laughs> That's <laughs> why it's delicious. So the fact that, you know, I've kind of fallen into this preservation method where I can take these super real flavors and make them shelf stable to use in a lot of different applications. They were really excited about that. And so then we kind of kept talking about what our partnership looked like. And they said, we want to do this ready-to-pour cocktail. And, you know, they kind of had this pink Whitney vision in mind with, like, you know, a flavored vodka, which is clear or, like, pink or, you know, there's nothing in it. Well, Sweet Haven, we work with all only whole ingredients. So fresh herbs, whole fruits. So when we make it, there's bits in it. There's stuff in it because it's made with real stuff. So when I went in, one of my proudest meetings is I went into this meeting with Grey Duck and the first thing they said, I was like, do you think you could like triple strain this to get this just like really clear and clean for us? Like there's stuff in it. I was like, but that's, that's the stuff. That's the real <laughs> stuff in it. I could, I could do that for you if you want me to. Could strain it and strain it and strain it. I mean, and then by the end of the conversation, I got them to the point where they're like, you think you could put more stuff in it? <laughs> <laughs> so we came up with, you know, they came up with the idea of like, let's call it muddled because there's stuff in it because it's a real product with real ingredients in it, just like you'd have a muddled cocktail. So you have to shake it because there's, you know, it's going to settle because it's natural. Were there cocktails at this meeting? Always. Good. <laughs> and how long was this meeting? I don't remember. Hours? <laughs> it actually was pretty brief because they're busy people. Okay, okay. So we got right to it, but I was like, I actually think you need to think about this product in a different way. I think you need to think about this as the first craft cocktail that's being bottled made with all natural ingredients. And they loved it, and it's been going really well. So they sell it at um, Target Field. And they made a drink with called Bamboozled with their stuff in it and Muddled in it. And so it's pretty cool to like be watching a Twins game and see Muddled come up and be like, that's my thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, as a marketer, first of all, I just love the fact that you got them to almost move off concept. I mean, it's the same, but it's very different. It's not clear, right? Right. Uh, but right. then also that influenced even the name of it. Like, right. That is yeah. just a really cool story for you and your brand and how that influenced that whole partnership coming together. And they loved like the look of our labels. And so they wanted, they used my graphic designer and to design the label to kind of mimic that they liked the high end, but natural kind of old school feel mm -hmm. of our packaging and yeah, it was, it's a great partnership, and they're really open to, obviously, new ideas, and we're talking about doing some new flavors together, and yeah, it's really fun. They're great to work with. That's really cool. I love I love when partnerships happen and they're successful like that. I just think it's such a unique thing, and the fact that 
you know, following your line of, uh, of success with the brand, Leah, it's like, you know, all these people connected, you know, to these people and these people are connected to these people and you're willing to put yourself out there and go see people and have the conversation. I mean, it's just fun how that all works, you know, because I think too often people give up, you know, on the first go round or they maybe get a couple bad, Mm -hmm. um, uh, visits or reviews or, um, kind of meet and greets or things like that. And they kind of let that derail them off their path because they get a little bit disenfranchised Mm -hmm. with their, their thing and then they start to doubt themselves. And I think that's, I'm not saying there wasn't any of that, but I just think it's cool that you, if you look at that, at those things where you get that feedback, that's less than positive and you, you you have to take, you have to determine where it's coming from and how much weight you're going to give it. And if you let it roll off and it's not for them and that's fine. Or if you take that and you, you work with it right? and you let it make you better by listening to feedback. And so instead of it being like, Oh, they didn't like me. It's like, (laughs) I could be better. Maybe even better. So that's kind of how I look at rejection. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Is that I, you know, if you aren't digging what I'm putting out there, I think I could find a way to work with you or, and still being solid to who we are as a brand, but, you know, being open to the idea that there's a lot of brilliant people out there and brilliant companies and, you know, people who know what the hell they're doing. And if you take some time to listen, you could really learn a lot and benefit from it. So. Amen to that. I love it. Well, you know what? We're going to, uh, we're going to get into the wind down or we call the final five with, with Leah tree Levin tonight on the Get Deep podcast, the master of the 30 second craft cocktail. You have done right? your research, sir. Well, you know, it was, <laughs> it was, it was public knowledge, not a big deal, but, um, the wind down is brought to you by our good friends at Chancaska. And this is where we have our final five questions for Leah or our previous guests and kind of, you can answer them as quick as you'd like. Okay. So don't feel any pressure. It's not like a fast thing, you know, okay. like that, but your choice. You ready for it? I'm ready. All right. No, I'm not. I'm hold, nervous. Hold on. I got to take one more sip. <laughs> Me too. This voice of mine is is just crazy. I'm so nervous I dribbled. <laughs> we all have a drinking problem. Me too. I totally could have played it cool and been like, that never happened, but it happened. Damn it. I was looking down. And I didn't even see the dribble. <laughs> all right. Well, question number one with Leah tonight is, and I'm sure you've never been asked this, all-time favorite cocktail concoction that you've come up with whether it's something you serve i assume it's something you serve or maybe just something you created in your kitchen years ago and you're just like oh my gosh that was just heavenly um i would say so we use i love a whiskey sour so uh we and it's my like my family's favorite too so we use i'm a big bourbon girl love whiskey and bourbon and all the things all things brown liquor and <laughs> but we've so whiskey sours uh take the ginger lime peppercorn little bit of lime juice and whiskey and an egg white and you shake the shit out of it and it is so divine it's smooth and it's tart and it's got those all those great bourbon flavors i actually thought about bringing eggs with me tonight I always joke. I'm like on vacation. I always bring two dozen eggs, and I don't eat breakfast. 
It's just they for the cocktails. All for cocktails. I drink breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> I do that too. That's fantastic. Yeah, is whiskey that, sour. And that's uh, you know, you have a wonderful, and people can check it out on the website. Uh, you got a beautiful website, by the way. Thank you. But you can check it out on their website or go check them out. Uh, or check Leah and her staff out at Sweet Haven in New Ulm. But is that on the menu? That particular drink? Um, right now, we're doing kind of a version of it. Instead of with egg white, we're finishing off with a Cabernet wine float mm. on the top. So it adds a little dryness to a whiskey sour, which is delicious. Um, but we are doing, I have one egg white cocktail usually on the menu, each menu rendition that we do. And this season, we're doing a cranberry gin fizz. So it's the cranberry juniper and lemongrass, a little bit of lemon juice, a little bit of cranberry, and an egg white shaken with a great uh crooked water gin is the brand that we work with a lot um so great gin and then serve it up and it is divine boom Mm -hmm. go check it out folks come and try one i'll make you one question number two worst cocktail you've ever created one that uh in the test kitchen or wherever that you were you put some stuff together and you were like this is going to be pretty cool and then you tried it and you're like this tastes like shit uh so i was uh i wanted to do like an all minnesota ingredient tonic so it's not my worst cocktail it never even made it its way to a cocktail um but i was going to use so sumac is something that has like a nice citrusy flavor to it Mm -hmm. like if you've ever tried it um so i made a sumac i can't even remember (laughs) what the other ingredients were but it was so bad (laughs) i don't know like it had this like it was very savory and not a good way and citrusy i remember it tasting a little bit like a like a a gravy that went bad. (laughs) (laughs) And I also, people have asked me to try to do, so we use pure cane sugar. And I tried to do work with like a stevia or a monk fruit or something like that to create like a zero sugar option. It just tastes like shit. And these have like five grams of sugar in a serving. So it's super low sugar anyway. So just have a little sugar. Because without it, it just tastes so bad. I, I tried. I really tried. <laughs> and I uh, won't do it. I won't. Nobody, I, nobody wants the gravy cocktail. Nobody wants the gravy cocktail. Okay. And no one wants the fake sugar situation because it it's not good. Question number three. I call it MBT, which stands for next big thing. Uh, I like saying it that way just uh, because it's a shout out to Andrew and Sarah Her who were recently in the podcast. So what's the uh, MBT for Sweet Haven Tonics? Well, I had mentioned earlier that we are launching on Amazon this week. So that is a pretty big thing in order to... I'm excited to see what's going to happen with... uh, putting ourselves in a national market. It's totally new and it has been insanely hectic and a huge learning curve to figure out how to get things and how they need to be packaged so that like robots can get them and send them to your door. Um, but it's been really fun. And uh, we have a lot of uh, a lot of great people working on this project for us. So 
Yeah. Very cool. Check us out on Amazon and then buy us on our website. (laughs) (laughs) That's really cool. Question number four. Your favorite place on planet Earth. You want me to be honest? Sure. The bathtub. (laughs) (laughs) Amen. if, uh, If I'm looking for, like the most accessible place that I get to be the most often that makes me feel great. It's the bathtub. I've got a great cocktail. I've got like some sort of Netflix situation and I've got all the time in the world. Which is less these days, but it's less. And maybe that's why I think it's my, my favorite place is because <laughs> I'm never going to get on vacation is for there, a long time. Is there any um, apple cider vinegar in the bathwater? Uh, no, I don't need to be preserved forever. Okay. No, we're just going to let this age however it goes. (laughs) Question number five is called purpose. And that is from your perspective, um, and all the experiences you've been through your life and the successes you've had recently and, and, uh, your teaching, uh, experiences and everything else, right? Like, what do you feel like your purpose is? on this earth? Um, So I lead a faith-based life. And through this whole journey, I have just, you know, prayed that, you know, we only have so much time and energy. And I pray that what I'm doing is using that precious time and energy in its best way possible. And I feel like time after time after time, it's been made very clear to me that that's this is what I should be doing and I think it's because I always have the purpose in mind that I just want to take care of people you know whether it's you come into my cocktail lounge and I make you feel really nice for a couple hours and you feel taken care of or it's the people that work for me that feel really valued or it's you know not doing a the length of podcast you would prefer so I can go home to my kids and show them that they're cared for or that it's, you know, at the end of this whole crazy journey that I can provide a better life for myself and my kids and my family. I just want to take care of people. I love it. Do you have any final words, Wesley? No, just thanks for coming on the show, Leah. I appreciate uh, you spending the time with us, especially with so much going on, and it's been fun to hear your story. Thank you. Thank yeah. you so much for having me. This was very enjoyable. I can't wait to come back. Yeah, we might have to have a Leah 2.0. Uh, I also really appreciate you, and I, I think I shared this at the beginning of the podcast um, as well, but just such a beautiful space that you have there, and I really, really highly encourage people. If you want to go and check out and, and buy her products, the, the Sweet Haven Tonics products and, you know, Cork and Key next to Jay Long's or other places. You're in so many places now, which is great. But I really highly encourage people to go to the Cocktail Lounge in New Ulm. It's such an experience and it's just a beautiful town that's growing and has a total character and a vibe to it. Uh, I think that just is, it's kind of the nostalgic old, you know, Minnesota uh, street. It's, it's kind of that old school thing that used to be. 
uh, the popular way of how you shop and how you explore yeah. and how you eat and how you drink. And, and, yeah. and I think that Noam's really doing a nice job of that. And being that you're a part of that, I think you add such a great vibe down there. Let's Thank plug you. the store hours so that people know when they should be coming and sure, also the website so you. they can buy online. Thank you. So the website is uh, sweethaventonics.com. And our store is at, like you said, uh, 116 North Minnesota Street. And our hours are Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. We're open from noon until 8. And then Thursday, we're open from noon until 10. And on Thursdays, we also have live music almost every Thursday, which is really cool. So if you like live music or you are a musician and want a stage to play on, we would love to offer that to you. Um, and then Friday and Saturday, we're open from noon until 11. Who's playing tomorrow? How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just thinking I might be free tomorrow night. You're, so. I mean, I could, that's hilarious. I could, You're like, You're really asking me that right now. It's <laughs> not going to matter to the podcast listeners because this isn't going to come out in time for them to hear. You know what? I'm not exactly sure who, but I know they're fantastic. I'm sure they are. <laughs> I might be there to oh, listen. Oh, so. man, I did so well at oh, this whole so thing. <laughs> I had to stump you once. <laughs> well, thanks, guys, for listening. Make sure to leave us a five-star review. You should us <laughs> an email if you want to, you know, let us know about a guest that we could uh, maybe take on as a potential guest, and then share us. I mean, why not? We're pretty freaking awesome. So I think so. again, guys. Yeah, thanks, Leah. Yeah, thanks.